This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> it's so, so good to see all of you. Just love you guys so much. What a wonderful time of worship, wasn't it? My goodness, I'll tell you, the presence of the Lord is so beautiful. What a, it's so wonderful, hey, when we can come to church, I mean, twice on a Sunday, I just praise the Lord for that family. And so I'm excited to be able to share with you tonight, and I really want to give a big, big thank you to Apostle C and Dr. Bev. I never take this lightly. It's for me a great responsibility and a great joy to be able to share the word with you. So thank you, Mom and Dad. Really appreciate it. For those of you online, we welcome you in the other venues. So good to have you with us. And right now, I'd like to just let me bow heads. Can I just pray? Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity once again that we have to be able to come and gather in your name, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for your beautiful presence amongst us. I thank you for your word tonight, my God, and I make it known that I cannot do anything without you, Lord, that I am nothing without you. And Holy Spirit, I submit myself completely to you. You are the teacher. I do not lean to my own understanding in any way whatsoever. And I ask you to speak through me tonight the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you take this word to our hearts, that you would change our lives because of your word in the mighty name of Jesus. And we care for to give you alone the glory and the praise and the honor for all that is accomplished here tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Well, family, tonight I'm so excited about our new series, and we are now in part two. I mean, Clive did such a great job last week when he opened it up for us, and he spoke about ER, and we found out that ER does not mean emergency room, although we do have relationships that kind of need a bit of emergency room, right, because it is for extraordinary relationships. And many times we hear that, and we say, my goodness, is that even possible? Well, with God all things are possible. And what we spoke about last week is that it is a matter of the heart because everything begins in the heart. And that's the reason that we want to have a look at these different areas. And I'm gonna be speaking tonight on resolving conflicts, but I wanna go back to our theme verse for the series because I just think it sets such a beautiful tone and it's in Romans chapter 12 and verse two. And from the message translation, it's so interesting. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Now, you know, family, the Bible tells us that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. But you know, sometimes it's so easy just to get enveloped in the culture of the stuff that's happening around us. My son and his family moved to New Zealand late last year, and I mean, like it's three months ago, and I speak to my grandchildren you know, on, on, on video calls, and I can already see a difference in them. I'm not saying it's all bad. What we need to do though is be aware that the culture around us can swallow us up and we need to intentionally fix our eyes on the Lord. Amen, everybody. I wanna give you a little bit of, of interesting stats here and that is firstly that last year, because I believe we've been doing this. I mean, we've had our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're praying together on a Tuesday night. And you know, even Apostle Theo said to us on Wednesday, he said, I am sensing a shift. 
in the atmosphere family. That's exciting stuff. Last year alone, we had 3,469 salvations right here at Christian Family Church. That's powerful. It's powerful. I read the other day that 52% of teenagers in America are now focusing on Jesus for the answers. I mean, do we need the teenagers to tell her there's no answers in the world system? We gotta keep our eyes on God, family. Praise the Lord for that. So you know what? What's gonna happen is this, is when we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus, the Bible tells us that we'll be changed from the inside out. It says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you and develops well-formed maturity in you. What a beautiful scripture to begin this series with. So as I said, tonight I wanna to talk about resolving conflict. And you know, here's what I discovered. I mean, conflict is everywhere, right? The Bible is full of conflict. I mean, from cover to cover, I mean, there's conflict between nations. There's conflict between people. There's conflict between God and people, which is amazing because it's a great place where we're able to look. You know, there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of information on how we can resolve conflict. But a lot of it is head knowledge. When we go to the Bible, God changes our hearts. He makes us whole again. So I want to take you to Ephesians, if you want to turn in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to be looking at verse 30, uh, 26. It's so powerful, family. There's so, so much information in this one little scripture. It says this. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Jam-packed with information. Because the first two words, it says this, be angry. <laughs> Can you imagine that the Bible allows us to be angry? And it even, it even allows us actually to have conflict because all relationships have got conflict. And I want to say this clearly tonight. Say this after me. Conflict is not the enemy. Let me say this, family, that you know, we, our relationships actually need a bit of conflict. Because you know what it does? If we manage it correctly, it clears the air. Amen? And I'm sure you all have had conflict somewhere along the line. I mean, I had conflict with my siblings even when we were growing up. Esau and Jacob had conflict in the womb. Give me a break. Right? I mean, we have conflict everywhere. Some people have conflict with their neighbors. Some people have conflict with their co-workers. I mean, I have conflict every morning with the traffic. And you know what? I mean, there's conflict in our marriages. I mean, for some and I, we have conflict. <laughs> I hate to tell you this. I hate to break your bubble. That's what it is. And every now and then, you know, we have these small conflicts, these little things like in the middle of the fight, and we kind of look at each other and say, what were we still fighting about? <laughs> I forgot what to say, right? And it's great. You know, those little things, forget about them, move on. It's not a terrible thing. But here's what we never want to happen. You never, ever, ever want these little things to grow and to pile up. And eventually it becomes that massive conflict that starts severing our relationships. Family, we can never do that. And maybe tonight you're here and you're thinking, 
that's true, you know, this thing that I've got with this person or these people started with something and I didn't even know what it was anymore. You know, I was, I was just thinking the other day, there was a, a, a guy that came out here and he wanted prayer for him and his brother. And he said that they had not spoken in 25 years. Can you imagine that? So we asked him, you know, what exactly was the problem? He said, no, he said he stole money from me. I mean, that's not good, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay. He says, yeah, 13,000 rand he stole from me. Now, I guess 13,000 rand 25 years ago was quite a lot of money. But was it worth 25 years of broken relationship? Can it's heartbreaking, really. So, you know, we all have to face these different kinds of conflicts with different levels of, of our communications. And I'm saying again, conflict is not the enemy, but what we need to do is we need to find out how to manage conflict God's way. I'm saying it again, all relationships have conflict, but what extraordinary relationships have is they have, it has healthy conflict, and that's the aim. That's what we wanna to discuss today. And I wanna to get to some practical things which we see here in Ephesians 4. So let's go back there, verse 26, right? It says, be angry, we spoke about that. Do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So the first thing that we wanna learn here, and say this after me, healthy conflict is safe. Right, healthy conflict has gotta be safe. As I said, the Bible tells us that we, we can be angry. It's a healthy, it's a normal emotional reaction to something. But family, we can never allow that to become sin. It says, and do not sin. And whatever it might be, we see there's a big difference between anger or frustration or whatever else we want to call that thing that's happening on the inside of us and stepping over the line and getting into sin. You see, anger is what we feel, and the Bible will allow for that. But we cannot allow, listen to me, we cannot allow that feeling to become an action. Amen? We just got to decide, are we going to follow the model of the Bible? We can have conflicts, but we've got to know where that boundary is of the conflict. And you know what's amazing? It's, I mean, those boundaries, we've got to know that they're there and make that decision, I'm not gonna cross over into that. Let me give you some boundaries, okay? The first thing is, is that we fight safe. In other words, it never becomes physical. The second thing is, is that we fight fair. We don't go and dig up a whole lot of things from way back then, amen? The other thing, family, and this is important, we focus on the issue, not on the person. Here's the big one, we have to control our tongue. No screaming, no shouting, no yelling things, and not saying stuff that we are going to regret afterwards. And that can happen so easy that our tongue can completely get away with us. In, in, a, in a conflict, and then we find ourselves going through that, past that, that line, crossing the boundary, and we regret it. So I wanna carry on right now. And that is, in Ephesians 4, it carries on, it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. And here's the second thing I want us to learn. Say this, healthy conflict is timely. Now, I don't know if you've ever read our country's constitution. 
got to know the rules, right? And I just thought this was pretty interesting. So if you've never read it, you'll know this part of it. It says, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. And I just think this relates so well to this point because that somebody is not endlessly held in custody that you actually at some point have to step into the trial. You've got to step into that conflict. Listen to me, family, because I've thought about this. There's such a strong, this strong connection to this reality that we can be experiencing in our life that we allow time within this conflict, thinking it's going to diffuse the conflict. Don't ever do that, because all that's going to happen is it's actually going to build that pressure up between you and the other person. And then what happens is, is we are endlessly held in custody by this thing, and I've got to rearrange my whole life because of this conflict that's there. So now I can't be around that person at Christmas, and I've got to avoid them in the mall. And I walk into a room, and there's this elephant that I've got to skirt around because of this conflict, because I'm not dealing with it head on. We cannot delay this thing think, thinking that it's going to actually diffuse the conflict because of the time, because it's gonna build up pressure inside of us, and I wanna tell you it's gonna affect us. It's gonna affect us in our soul and in our bodies. We're gonna find we're gonna battle to sleep, we're gonna maybe battle to eat, we're gonna have anxiety where we should never have had that kind of thing happening. You see, it's almost like, and please don't try this at home, Okay, but I don't know if you've ever seen this, that you put dry ice in a bottle, put a little bit of water in it, put the cap on it, and stand way back, because you can see how that pressure builds up, and you know what, it gives a mighty explosion. As I said, do not try that at home. But that's what happens, family, when we build pressure between us and the other person. So conflict has to be timely. We've got to put a boundary on that. The last thing that the scripture says, and this is so powerful, it says, give no opportunity to the devil. Can you believe that? That unresolved conflict actually gives an opportunity to the devil. And you know, family, we've been taught that the devil is a legalist, that if we give him opportunity, he's gonna take it. And we know what he does. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his whole plan of action. And that's what he loves to do, is to break up marriages, break up friendships, break up communications. And honestly, if we, if we think about the world today, how much division do we see? How much breaking up do we see? I mean, we see it politically, we see it socially, we see it racially, we see it interpersonally, in so many different areas. Why? Because if the devil can cause division, he's got opportunity. Have we seen that in the world? The stuff that's happening, and now he's got this new trick that he wants to divide us, that we look at this, this, this relationship and we're like, it's over, I'm washing my hands off it, it's over, that bridge is broken, it's gone, it's bust forever, there's no, absolutely no hope of any kind of reconciliation. You know what he calls it? This little phrase, cancel culture. It's a cancer, it is a destroyer. Family, there it is never, no relationship is ever disposable. We cannot discard of our relationships. Amen? We've got to put God first, family. God doesn't cancel us. We do not cancel people. Amen? 
We find a way through it. Yes, there's boundaries. Yes, there's even accountability. But never, ever cancel. Listen to this amazing scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. It says, strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. I mean, how many of us want the God of love and peace to minister into our lives? It's simple. The Bible says strive for full reconciliation. You see, the thing is, is that maybe we even feel sometimes in some relationships, you know, Pastor Jenny, you don't even understand. At this point in time, it's impossible even for God to do anything. It isn't, family. That's the reason we're looking into the Word, because God can change anything. And I believe that this is going to build our faith tonight so that we can make sure that we can walk in freedom, that our hearts are going to be changed. And as I said, there's so much amazing, amazing information out there, methodologies, things that we can apply to overcome various areas of conflict, and they're all good. But it starts in the heart. Otherwise, you know what? It's just human effort, and we are not looking at ordinary. We are looking at extraordinary, extraordinary. Amen? So I want to go now to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 50, if you want to turn this along. And I really believe that there's four very powerful truths that we can get out of this story, which I think we're pretty familiar with as well. And as we do our part, we are going to open our hearts up that the Holy Spirit can do what only He can do. Amen, family. Genesis chapter 50, I'm looking at verse 19. and It begins by saying, but Joseph said to them. So let's just talk about Joseph for one moment before I go any further. Now Joseph, let's just look where he came from. He was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, who was the son of Terah, we learned about last week, remember that? So he was part of that whole family. I mean family. So, and let me just say this. If you ever thought that the Bible was written about perfect people. You want to read the story of Abraham. Oh my goodness. I looked at it, I thought, this is like the perfect material for a reality show. And then I read some more and I thought, actually it's the perfect material for a soap opera. I mean, there's so much drama. It's just like so much stuff that's happening in there. And you know what's great? Because we can observe it, we can look into it, we can learn from it. God has given it to us for that reason, family. But Abraham's family, I mean, there is deceit in his family. There is betrayal. There is anger. There is infidelity. There's broken marriages. There's abandonment. There's bitterness. There's jealousy. And there's favoritism. And this is even before little Joseph comes on the scene. So he gets born into this family. He's the first of the beloved wife of, of Jacob. And of course, he's favored by his father. What happens then, he becomes very unpopular with the brothers. They actually hate him. There was such dysfunction in his family. You know how they dealt with that? Family, they threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. Now, maybe we read through the story, but imagine that was you. The very people that's supposed to protect you and love you and be there for you were the ones that hurt you the most. And maybe you're sitting here tonight, maybe you're online, and you're saying, that's where I'm at. That's how I feel. Well, hang in there. We've got, we're going to help you. We're here to help you. 
I mean, for 13 years, he was in slavery. First, he was in Potiphar's house, and then he was unjustly accused. Then he ended up in prison. The Bible tells us that he was in pain. He was in shackles. And then the guy interprets his dream. is supposed to get him out of the prison. He just forgets about him. Leaves him there for even longer. But we know the story, right? I mean, literally overnight, he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and he goes from the prison to the palace to becoming the prince of Egypt. That's what our God can do for us, family. And now he has access to all the resources of Israel, at least of Egypt. And of course, what happens is, is when the famine comes, it's not only in Egypt, it goes all the way through to Canaan. And lo and behold, one day, here are these brothers, the very ones that caused him all that pain, all that trauma, all that betrayal, is now standing in front of him, asking him for help. Can you even believe it? Well, they didn't recognize him. I kind of wonder what would have happened if they had, right? I mean, but then he does. He reveals himself to them. Now, if you want to go just a couple of verses before verse 17, this is for me so interesting. This is the first time in the Bible that this word forgiveness is spoken, where the brothers come before him and say to him, can you forgive us? So I want to pick up the story right there, and I want to show us four lessons that we can learn from him. And here's the first one, family. We're going to see this in Joseph's life. Conflict resolution, God's way, always starts within us. That's the first point. It starts within us. We see this in verse 19. It says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And what he's really saying here is, do I have a right to judge? Hmm. Well, I must say, when I read this story, I kind of look at it and say, I think you do. <laughs> I mean, come on. Those jokers threw you into a pit. They stripped you of your garment. They tried to kill you. They sold you like a piece of meat to, to people as into slavery. All those, those years of trauma and, pray, and pain. I'm sure when you read the story that you feel the same way. But family, we see something completely different here. You know why? Because Joseph has already allowed God to do a work on the inside of him. That's how he could do this. And before, before he even got to this point where he had to deal with this outward or, or public uh, uh, conflict that he had to deal with, even before that, the Holy Spirit did a work already. That's the reason he could answer that way. And even, let's remember, he was in a position of power. You've got to wonder that moment that he, did, he wasn't maybe just a little bit tempted to say, come on, you suckers. <laughs> Let me show you what it feels like to be in chains. Let me show you what it feels like to be sold like a piece of meat. But he didn't, family. Well, I don't know. I believe God really dealt with him because what did he say? Am I in God's seat? Am I in the place of God? How powerful is that, family? So number one, Joseph has taken ownership of his part in this conflict. He's recognizing that the way that you unlock the door for this conflict resolution is that you gotta, you gotta talk to them. But before I talk to them, I gotta first look at myself. I gotta have a look at what's inside of me. And many times that when we face this conflict, what we do is we, we look at that and you say, but you don't understand. I mean, I did nothing wrong. It's not me. 
family, but wasn't Joseph one of those? Wasn't he completely a victim in this situation? And yet he looked at himself. He went on the inside of himself first. And that is the key for conflict resolution family. See, it's so easy for us to say, well, you know, it wasn't me. And that's the reason we've got to go before the Lord and say, Lord, show me, help me. Just maybe there's something that I could have changed or done something different. And that's how we start. God starts to soften our hearts. There's important words that we see from the Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye with all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. And that's what we want to do, family. We want conflict to be clear. It says you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What a powerful scripture. We need to check ourselves before we go and speak to the other person. I think it was Ask You that said this. He says, check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> it's a good principle. It's a good principle. Come on. So we want to check. We want to check our motivations, family. We want to check our intentions. We want to check our, our perceptions because just maybe we read something a little bit wrong. Just maybe. And you know what? If nothing else, God will begin to change that anger or that frustration or whatever it is we want to call it. He's going to start calling it, turning it into empathy. Amen? And that's family when we can start focusing on growing and restoring that relationship. Now, I want you to see this. If there's nothing else you get out of this tonight, listen to me carefully now. I said this. Joseph had already been looking into his own heart. When he stood before his brother's family, he did not expect this conversation, this confrontation, whatever you want to call it, he did not expect that to result in his own pain being healed. Now, many times what happens is people go into a conflict, and what they will do is they'll say, man, if I can just speak to them, I will show them that they are wrong, that I will bring, if they will just apologize, if they will just repent, and that will make me feel better. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Only God can heal our hearts. Only God. So before we even go into that, we're first going to go before the Lord. Because here's the thing, for the other person, man, if it's going to be about healing, it's going to crush that moment. It's going to make that conflict about all the wrong things. But if we let God heal our hearts first or begin that process of healing our hearts first, we invite God into that process, family, then that argument of the conflict, it actually becomes about restoring the relationship and not about healing me. And God is able to do what only he can do because now we're engaging. Now we're fighting for the friendship. We're fighting for the relationship, for the marriage, whatever it might be. But we're now fighting for the right thing. And the thing that's possible through that conflict is that a unity and a strength within that relationship will actually come out stronger than ever before. Now I want to show you this 
in Genesis 41, which is nine chapters before this confrontation, we can see how Joseph has already started dealing with this because it says this. It says that Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And he said this, listen, because God has made me forget all the troubles of my father's household. Forget. Sometimes we can say, well, I'll forgive, but now I'm not so sure about forgetting, which means he's done both. We can see that God's already been at work, family. And then it carries on. It says his second son, he named Ephraim. And he said, because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So it always starts within us. That's number one. So, so powerful. You know, sometimes we think, gee, how do I even begin with this? I want to take you to Psalm 139, where we really go before God and say, Lord, search me and know me. Show me if there's anything in me that I can change, that I can do differently. Psalm 34 says that God is close to the brokenhearted. When we go to him and say, Lord, I give you my broken heart. Help me, show me, lead me, and guide me through this. And when we do that, family, God is going to start to work in our lives. Amen, everybody. So it starts on the inside of us. So let's have a look now. Still in Genesis 50, I'm now going to look at verse 20. It says, you intended to harm me. And the first thing that he said, Joseph said, am I in God's seat? And now he says this. I mean, he says, you intended to harm me. What does that mean? It means he was completely honest. He said, listen, guys, this is what you wanted to do. And sometimes we have to do, in fact, not sometimes. That's what we have to do. If you want to resolve conflict, this is the fact of the matter. This is the thing that we are dealing with. Now, sometimes what happens when there's conflict is that you may have a person that's very loud and very demonstrative, you know, and, and, and they'll come in there and scream and shout and carry on, and then maybe the other person is passive and quiet, and they're so overwhelmed by that, they just kind of go, okay, it's my fault, I'll just take it all on myself. And actually, neither one of them are right, because you need to put the facts on the table. I'm saying this, family, if we don't, there's always going to be something left behind, it's never going to be completely resolved. And then that thing can boil up to unforgiveness and bitterness in a person. It has to be fully resolved. And that, that relationship will never have integrity if we do not deal with the facts on the table. And when we do that, we can open the doorway to having conflict resolution. And most of the times, it's not an instant fix. You know, mostly in marriages, if it's been a bad, in a bad place, and we see this, Conversation after conversation, they just start becoming more honest with each other, more vulnerable. They start sharing their expectations, their assumptions, their pain and their hurt. And before you know it, they start falling in love again. And this time it's stronger. And this time it's more resilient. If they can serve God together in that. So what does it take in the middle of that journey? It simply takes obedience, that we listen to God's voice, that we obey him instantly, family, but it starts with honesty. So number three that I want to show us right now, and it's all still in verse 20. You know, Joseph says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish that which is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so the third lesson that we learn here is this. It's secure faith, not casual faith, that little thing that we pick up here and there and all over the place in our family that we focus. We come to church when the doors are open twice on a Sunday that we can really get to know God. 
I mean, we, we know that God is never going to leave us nor forsake us. And so that we be anchored in that so that the winds, when they blow and the storms are raging around us, when we're going through those uncertainties, and there's more downs than up, when we're in the middle of the trenches, that I really know who God is. And we can see that in Joseph. You know, he says that. He says, you intended to harm me. That's the truth. But God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives, including yours. Because I'm the one with the food here now. I mean, who would have guessed? The story of Joseph family. You know, sometimes to me, conflict is like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like, it's like that, that relationship is fragmented in all these little pieces. And here's the most amazing thing, that as we put it together piece by piece by piece, we end up with this beautiful picture. And that's, for me, it's just like God has got this wonderful picture of our lives. And every now and then we take a little wrong turn, and He loves us back in, family, as He paints the picture of our life. And that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to be in pain. And so our faith says, our God is able. And we in this church, we know how to use our faith, amen. We get a scripture, anchor ourselves into that scripture, and God will be faithful towards us as we stand in faith, amen. So these three, I just think, are amazing. Firstly, it starts within us. It takes complete honesty. It's gonna take secure faith, amen. And the last one, I just think is so amazing. In verse 21, I mean, it says he speaks to them. He says, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. Here Joseph is reassuring them. These are the guys that caused him all that pain, all that trauma, all that betrayal, and there's no guarantee they're not gonna do it again. But here's this one I want you, the thing I want you to see, our family. The fourth one is he's free. Joseph is really free. He's free to bless them, free to reassure them, free to love them. And that's the freedom that God wants for our lives, that we would be so free that we would be able to pray for that person genuinely, not God take him out. (laughs) But really, really from our hearts cry, I wanna bless them. I wanna close with this scripture. And it's found in Romans 12, and verse 21, it says, for we are, we, do, we are not to over, let me start again. We are not overcome by evil. As the people of God, we overcome evil with good. That's how we do it. We pray God's blessing over that person. Now maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Pastor <laughs> Jenny, I don't know if I can pray a blessing over what I've been through. I don't know if I'm actually at that place of complete freedom. And I really, really want to walk in that where I never have to feel, am I going to confront that person? Am I going to see them? Am I going to be, be in that place? And I want you to know tonight, family, that we love you. Whether you're online, whether you're right here in the auditorium, we have got an answer for you. We have got a whole department that's called Freedom. And all you have to do, you can go on your church app, right there on the church center app. If you have a look where it says freedom groups, have a look at that. We've got answers for you. We want to walk this journey with you. If you think you don't want to do that, you want to maybe speak to somebody, our pastors will be right here at the end of the service to pray for you tonight. 
Or if you want to, you can just go to our information center, which is just opposite the welcome center. We have got our freedom leaders that are gonna be right there to help you. We want to work, walk this journey with you. We want you to walk in that freedom. Amen, everybody. Can I ask you just to bow your heads for a moment? We've heard this, this wonderful story of Joseph and many scholars have actually said that, G, that Joseph's life is really a picture or a type and shadow of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, we see so many similarities if, as we see this because with Jesus, I mean, he took ownership. He actually looked without himself, not for his own sin family, but for yours and for mine. He took ownership of our sins. He says, I'll take care of it. It starts inside of me. And then he walked in complete honesty and truth. He is the truth, family. Everywhere he went, I mean, where people were hurting, he wept. And then his faith was in the fact that he would always say, not my will, but yours be done. And he said this on the way to the cross where he died the cruelest, cruelest death that anybody could imagine. For what reason? So that you could be free. So that I can be free. For that reason. And you know what? All we have to do is accept this gift of freedom. This gift of eternal life. He's paid it all. Taken all of our sins. Taken all of our sicknesses. Taken all of our pain and our sorrow and our betrayal. He took it for us. And the very first step that we've got to take is simply receive this gift that he has done, he has given to us. And it's so easy. And right here tonight, if you've never received this gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would be so, so excited just to pray with you tonight. Just allow the Lord just to fill you, to make you a child of God, to give you an assurance of his amazing love. And if that's you, in the moment I'm gonna pray for you, just ask you to raise up your hand or maybe you are here tonight and you're thinking about relationships and you say, you know, this stuff has happened in my life and I just feel so far from God and it's because of all these issues, maybe out of conflicts that have happened. And I really, really want to just take the step again where God can just flood my heart with His grace and His love and His peace. I'd like you to be part of that prayer as well. The last invitation that I have is maybe you're not sure if you're going to heaven. You know, the Bible tells us that we will have an assurance. We will know our place will be with, with the Lord for all of eternity because we become family of God. This is not a religion family. This is not, a, this is not just something that we ask you to come to church. This is not a church building exercise. This is eternity. This is eternity to become the family of Almighty God. Now, if that's you, that any one of those three invitations... I'm gonna ask you if you would just raise your hand up and I'm gonna count to three. If you wanna receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to, to rededicate your life to the Lord or you wanna be sure that you're going to heaven, you can just raise your hand up right now. One, two, three. I see a hand going up there. You're online, just raise your hand up. The Lord will see it right there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know that at this time, that there's going to be a war in your heart. I'm sure that you can hear it. Feels like your feels like your 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 heart is going to beat right out of your chest right now because there's a war going on for your eternity between God and the devil. Just raise your hand up. Let him know. Let the devil know that you are standing for Jesus tonight. 
Just raise up your hand right there where you are. I see so many hands going up. Thank you, Lord. 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 I just want to give a moment longer because I believe that there are people here that you're thinking, oh, you know, what's this person going to think? Let me tell you, if you've got to stand before the Lord one day and he says to you, why should I let you in my heaven? I gave you an opportunity. Why did you not lift up your hand? Raise your hand up right now. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. I'd like everybody, everybody to pray this prayer with me right now. Just say this. Lord Jesus, you said, if I confess with my mouth, you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you up, that I will be saved. And I do that right now. Lord Jesus, become my Lord and my Savior. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died and took all my sin, all my pain, all my sickness on that cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I receive my salvation right now in Jesus' name. I am now a child of God and I forgive every single person that has ever harmed me or hurt me in Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.